press play. Curtain of an hour in. It's time to take spin. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, Ooh drama. drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got nom? They option no. Oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk to today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. Drama. Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love, and life. I'm Connor McDowell. And I am Dylan McDowell. Connor, how are you? I'm great. You know, it's a snowy day in New York. Mm. The first the first fall of snow, very um, Taylor Swift all too well 10 minute version. I still remember the first fall of snow vibes. That part, yes. But it's great. We're kind of like having a snow day and we're working remotely for the next week again and probably the week after. So it's kind of spooky, but we don't have to talk about that. How yeah. are you? I'm great. Well, you know, it's one of my favorite days of the year. It's tonight we get a new season of RuPaul's Drag Race. It's the premiere. Oh, yes. This is like, this is a holiday in many ways. In, especially in my house. And I cannot wait. What's really fun is tonight, where I live, at one of the local gay bars, Evie Oddly is performing afterwards. So it's going to be a fun night of the premiere. And then the winner of season 11 is going to be performing. So I'm very excited. Have you seen Evie before? No. Mm -mm. I haven't seen a lot of the winners. Oh, okay. Yeah. Who haven't you seen? Of the winners? Yeah. Bibi, Tyra, Raja... Sasha. Violet. Sasha. Yeah, a lot of the winners haven't seen. Wow. More recently. But... Well, the the premiere is going to be fun. Are they doing that lip sync thing from last year again? Where they did? I don't know, but it is going to be a two-part premiere. So by the time this episode comes out, we'll know what has happened. Okay. Drama. Yeah, and, and we're going to talk about like the queens and some expectations for the season on our Patreon. So anybody who's interested in hearing some of our reviews should definitely check that out. <laughs> I love it. I know. And of course, we we just crowned a winner in the UK as well. So we haven't even talked about that, but we'll get into all of it. We did. On the Patreon. Or, yes, yes, yes. Okay, cool. Dylan, well, listen, I'm stoked for today's episode. And it's such funny timing because today, was it three years ago? It was, as Facebook memories told me. Yes, we love a Facebook memory. It told us that we actually saw our guest in his solo concert at Fine Science 54 Below. And That's so right. as he put it, I mean, how serendipitous. We truly did not plan for it this way. I know. Well, I'm going to bring him in. This has been, we've wanted him forever because we've been obsessed since seeing him on Broadway. That's right. But now he's like a TV star under the biggest mantle of all time, Marvel. So we're going to get into it. I'm so excited. Our guest today is an award-winning Irish actor and singer, fresh off the finale of his starring role on Marvel's Hawkeye on Disney Plus as Kazi. This lad made his Broadway debut in the 2017 Tony Award-winning Best New Play, The Ferryman, as Michael Carney, for which he received a What's On Stage Award, Best Supporting Actor in a Play, for his time with the show in the West End. You'll recognize him from the latest Cinderella film as Kofrak in the movie adaptation of Les Miserables, Animals, Boys from County Hell, Pixie, and much more. A regular on the West End and London stages, he is known for playing the title role of Candide at the Many Year Chocolate Factory, as well as appeared in On the Town, West Side Story, The Wind in the Willows, The Fix, As You Like It, which streamed through the National Theater, Romeo and Juliet, My Cousin Rachel, A Man of No Importance, A Little Night Music, Follies, A Winter's Tale, and Les Miserables. His gorgeous voice can be heard on the album The Clockmaker's Daughter alongside Ramin Karamloo and Hannah Waddingham. We are so excited to have this Irishman here with us today. Please welcome to drama, Frothy! Hello! How's it going, guys? Are you all right? So well. It's so nice to see you. <laughs> it's lovely to see you both. 
What a, what a lovely introduction uh, to be reminded of all of that stuff. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. You've done, like, literally everything on the West End imaginable. <laughs> well, there's a few more boxes to take, I reckon. But, we got to get uh, you out on yes. Broadway in a musical. That's what's got to happen. Mate, that's, that's like, this, the major next thing I would love to achieve. I love New York so much, and I adored my time there for the Ferryman. But, you know, it is, it's home of the great American musical theatre. And I would just, I would really love to do something musical there. And I'm sure I will. I'm sort of putting it out there into the universe on a regular basis. Yeah, you absolutely will. What what do you think you'd want to do? An original show or maybe a revival of one of your favourites? Oh, I mean, it would just almost certainly be something written by Stephen Sondheim. I had a feeling you'd say that. I know. I mean, well, Dylan, of course, because we, we work together on my show and session when you're working at Feinstein's. And half of it, I called it session, which is, so people are coming thinking they're going to hear lots of just Irish folk songs. And, you know, there were a few, but mainly it was a, a an evening of Stephen Sondheim music sung by Frosty, because it's just my favorite <laughs> stuff to perform. Yeah, you did um, some Sunday in the Park. You had Scarlett Strallen do uh, Move On. We did. I did like a little section where I sang lesson number eight going into Move On. So it's mm-hmm. like a little scene from the show and Scarlett came and joined me. Oh, that was a lovely moment, wasn't it? I loved that. Wasn't she pregnant? Was very pregnant. Mm-hmm. Yes. And now since then, I mean, you say it's only been three years. She has another kid. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. And her and her partner, Bryce, uh, Bryce Pinkman. Pinkman. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. I forgot they're together. Yeah. Um, they, during lockdown, they they bought a, is it a Winnebago, you guys call it? A little, mm-hmm. You know, those small sort of trailer things. Trailers, yeah. And like went all the way around the country, just traveling around with, they're two under two-year-olds. Like the most exciting and completely insane thing to do. Oh, yeah. They're brave for doing yeah. that. That's I forgot they're together. He is amazing. He was in Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder. That's where they met, I believe. Yeah. And I saw him in this really cool, we'll get on to the Marvel stuff, I'm sure. But I saw him in a really cool like superhero <laughs> musical oh. off Broadway. Whenever I was over there, I think it was written by Tom Kitt. I think it was called like superhero or something like that. Yeah. Like it was, was it about a kid? Yes. But and he had the superhero that was trying to sort of keep his identity secret. So it's good. It was a bit dark at times, but it's really good. Oh, I, can't, I can't remember exactly. I think Kate Baldwin was in it. I think. That rings a bell. Yes. Yeah. Okay. We asked this of all of our guests. Are you well? I love that you ask that question and that it's those specific words. I ask people if they're well all the time. It's a very Irish thing to say. So like Irish people would say, oh. would substitute the word hello for well. I said, well, well, Dylan, well, Connor. You know, that's that's just what we say. But then also it's like, are you as well? Yeah, yeah, I'm well. And I think it's a very, very lovely term for contentment. You know, if you can say that you're well, then you're you're very, very lucky. I am very well, though, to answer your question. Good. <laughs> I, uh, I am currently in my cottage that I moved to about a year ago with my boyfriend we got out of the big smoke of london sort of to do with the pandemic well it was to do with the pandemic initially but now we've just completely fallen in love with with where we live london's still only an hour down the road so it's very close and accessible for work and things and popping in to see a show or whatever but it's the most i couldn't feel more well being in in this environment it's really lovely i've got 
We've got our dog, Ace, who's the most amazing boxer. We take him for walks daily in the countryside. And it's just, yeah, it's gorgeous. I'm sure he loves that. Yeah. Oh my God, it sounds perfect. It sounds like the the cottage that Cameron Diaz stays in in the holiday when she falls in love with Jude Law and it's Kate Winslet's brother. And th- the inside is very, very similar. And it is, it's a very similar vibe. We live in this gorgeous little place in South Oxfordshire. It's a beautiful community. But we've got more neighbours than she would have had. Like at that house was quite all the way it's, down yeah. that lane. You know, if you're falling, yeah. if you're slipping <laughs> on the ice and knock, knock yourself out, no one's going to find you. You're in <laughs> But someone would probably find us if we slipped in the ice because we've, we've still got a few neighbours, which is really lovely. Um, wait, I've got to ask, you have a boyfriend? I do, yes. Yeah, give us all the details. Are you in love? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, of course I am. Yeah, very much so. He's also a performer, actor, singer. His name's Declan Bennett. So he gets it. He gets it all. Yes. Uh, you know, back in the day, I remember thinking, Oh, wouldn't it be great to, to end up with someone that's so removed from the industry and to like, you know, does something a little more stable, etc. But to be, to be honest with myself, it's probably, it's probably a godsend having someone that gets the difficulty of everything and you can lift each other up when times are hard and a self tape partner. You know, there you go. That's the thing. <laughs> this is important. I'm in the same boat as you, Fra. My boyfriend is an actor and I'm I'm industry adjacent mm. now, but I have fun when I read lines with him for self-tapes. I love to embody different characters and do different voices. <laughs> so you get really into it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, wait, so you said, you said your man's name is Declan. Um, how did the two of you meet? Well, interestingly, I did my session in London first before I did it in New York. I did it uh, at the other, uh, the other Palace Theatre. And I, I just wanted to do something musical before I went to New York for a considerable amount of time doing something not very musical. So I just thought, well, I'll, I'll do a concert. And I needed a guitarist. And I knew that Dak played the guitar because I'd seen him play the guitar in Jesus Christ Superstar and once, which he did over here in London, and asked him if he would be up for playing the guitar. And yeah, sparks flew everywhere. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. So yeah. That's so cute. Was he your guitarist here at the New York session? No, because he he wasn't living in New York at that time. So I had okay. to assemble a complete different little troupe of uh, New York musos that I primarily found on the like the folk circuit. Because of course, the you know the, uh, I was promoting it as a folk gig, and I watched folk musicians, and there's lots of you know second, third generation Irish people in New York. So that, that's how I sort of found those guys. I love it. Mm. Well, we hadn't hadn't seen you in a while because that was the ferryman closed in what twenty eighteen. Yes, I finished in March, I think, or like at the end of February, and then of course it stayed on mm-hmm. with a with a, an American cast. Um, oh, yeah. I forgot right. about that. Yeah, we never caught that rendition. We saw you twice because right. we loved it so much. Yeah, but um, I know like Brian Darcy James went in. Yes, he did. Um, I actually caught most of the dress rehearsal and Brian was brilliant. We've subsequently chatted at length about the play and how amazing it is because he of course was in Hawkeye and although we didn't do any right. yeah he's in the like the first episode he plays the first Kate's, episode yeah Kate's dad and we didn't share any scenes together but when we were back for reshoots in September we were in the makeup truck at the same time and just spent a good hour to talking about the power of this play and he was he was he was pretty phenomenal in it and had just as as formative an experience with it as we all did, you know. 
It was so good. We and remind me when you came to the states to do it. Was it with basically the entire cast that did it in the West End? Yes, everyone had everyone bar Fanula Flanagan, who played Aunt Maggie far away, had done it in London at some stage. That they may not have been like in the original original cast, which at the Royal Court. Most were the, were in the original cast. Some had maybe left after the first West End stint after a few months, but then their replacement went to New York or whatever. So Fanula was the only brand new person in it. It was such a good play. And she's she's a legend. Oh, she's a complete legend. Like, in every sense. She's accredited, like, an ethereal person. Uh-huh. You know? And she, of course, was nominated for a Tony Award for her, yeah. for her role. Of course. Like, of course she was. Yeah, she was. It was a real a real pleasure working with the likes of her. And well, the, the woman who played her part originally, Breach Brennan, is a Belfast actress who, you know, I'd always admired for so long. I think because of the multi-generational aspect of the play, I had the chance to work with all of these giants of of Irish theatre. You know, Dervla Malloy was in Anbridge when the original cast and Brian Friel's Dancing at Lunasa, which is my favourite play, one of my favourite plays, you know. So it was just, it was quite incredible to to be working with all of these people and on the one project and just um, just feeling like one unit, one family. It was, was really incredible. I'll never forget it. I love. Did you have more fun being in New York doing The Ferryman than doing Hawkeye? Um, well, yes, I did. Um, but that's not easily said because I had a great time doing Hawkeye. Really great. But it's very, it's a very different beasts entirely. My, mm-hmm. I, I, film work is really, really fun when you're busy. But you're, you're often not busy a lot <laughs> of the time. So it can mm. be quite, it can be quite lonely. And I guess this might have been compounded with COVID regulations and stuff. Sure. You know, we weren't hanging out outside of working hours because it just wasn't particularly responsible and no one really felt like doing it. And so, you know, whenever I wasn't filming, which was a lot of the time, I, I tended to just sort of be by myself, but I loved Atlanta. And enjoyed, you know, just walking around there and getting to know the city. But here, like we were doing a show in, on Broadway, it was just the best fun ever. I totally, I totally hear that. Um, I, I have to tell you, I had the biggest crush on Tom Glenn Carney. <laughs> I cannot wait to tell him that. <laughs> oh my goodness. I, and he's popped up in a few other things. Like he was in the Tolkien movie and he's, he's been around. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's doing a really, really big thing at the moment. I'm not sure if that's out, but yeah, you know, he's, he's fabulous. It's good for him. Yeah, I, I just, the, the, the sexual tension between him and, and you. And the, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a lot. That, I mean, I just, I love the play, you know, as, as someone who, you know, Connor and I are, we come from an Irish family and it was just, you know, such a treat to see so many, so many Irish people and traditions and phrases and things thrown around. And I just felt so comfy and cozy. I wanted to live in that house. I mean, it was yeah. just like the coolest set ever. It was a good glutes workout, I'm sure. The calves were in great shape. Um, uh-huh. And even like <laughs> the actresses who played my my mom, you know, they had to carry the baby. And also Carla, who played Sheena, she was carrying the, those babies up and down those stairs. I'm sure they were exhausted. Rob, I want to talk about Hawkeye and, of course, the rest of your amazing career. But before we do, I want to ask you a question. We ask all of our guests about perhaps the origins of when you decided you needed to get involved in the performing arts. We call it the Ring of Keys moment, inspired by the moment of recognition and fun home, that aha sensation when you were like, oh, my God, I love this. I need it to be a part of my life. 
forever. Yeah. Do you feel like you had that? I do. I probably had quite a few and it was a cumulative thing. You know, because if we're if we're to go way, way, way back, it probably would have been, you know, when I was offered a solo in my primary school choir. But but really several moments. My first time on stage properly was playing Kurt in the Sound of Music, which I rewatched there on New Year's Day, the film was on, and I can still remember all of the lines. <laughs> but but even yeah, and I was about ten or eleven or something. And I think that was sort of gave me like the bug, as it were, and subsequently Subsequently, I would go to every single rehearsal of... Oh, I, I know exactly what the moment is now. Sorry. I know what it is. <laughs> no, I love this stream of consciousness because we're getting little nuggets of things and I love it. You're so funny because I can see you remembering in your head too. You're like, I think it was... No, wait, it was this. And there's like, because it really is, there's lots of little things. And that was, that was the first time I was on stage, but I absolutely have my Ring of Keys moment. And it's a really good one. Okay. So way before the debut... Kurt and the Sound of Music. My sister, Claire, went to an all-girls school and they were doing a production of Willie Russell's Blood Brothers, which is a very famous British musical. I'm sure it played in New York a lot. With Brian Darcy James. Really? So, you you know, um, tell me it's not true, that musical. And she was playing Mickey, you know, again, in this all-girls school production. She was Mickey. My mum, I was really young. Like, she was maybe 14. I had to be seven or eight. And my mum uh, told me to, to go in to, and tell her to come out because we were there to collect her. Like, they were rehearsed after school. My mum, you know, collected her with about an hour and a half after school finished. And I went in to go get her. But they hadn't finished rehearsals yet. And they were actually rehearsing the final scene of, tell me it's not true. And I just was, like, completely mesmerised by what I was watching these kids, like these teenagers, but they they felt like, you know, theatrical giants to me as a wee tiny little boy singing this this song. And I'd also seen like the gunshot and then Mickey gets shot and then Mrs. Johnston is singing over her two kids. And like, I don't know what, it, I didn't know for sure what it was that I was feeling or what subsequently would be the result of it. Like, it's not as if I went, I must perform. I don't, I, it was just, it was just something was ignited. I, I realized the power of, of storytelling on stage for the first time. And I went to like every single performance after that. So yes, that is, that is definitely the moment. Oh, that's so special. That's a great moment. I love that you can remember the specifics of it too. Yeah. I had my hand in a radiator. Like I just remember, like I was quite shy, you know, but and what didn't want to, like I was sort of to the to the side of the hall with my hand in this radiator. Like I just I remember it so so vividly. It's it's mad. It's just comp- left an impression in my in my memory. And then you you asked your mom, "Hey, sign me up for theater. <laughs> Can I sing?" Like, what was the what was the story beyond that? So beyond that, I started going to singing lessons when I was quite young because I guess my mom could tell that I had a voice inside me. So I started going to lessons when I was maybe shortly after that experience. I would say like maybe I was about eight, eight or nine, you know, sang a lot of classical songs because that was what my singing teacher taught. You know, she's taught classical art song and leader and French chanson and all that stuff. So that was what I did. And then, and then I sort of discovered that the dramatic side of things was as an influence from my dad who does a lot of what we would call amateur dramatics back at home, but you guys would maybe call it community theatre. 
Mm-hmm. And it's very, yes. very, <laughs> very big back at home. And interestingly for Ireland and, you know, living in the countryside, which I did, I, yes, I did the Sound of Music and we did the Wizard of Oz the next year and you know, all, a lot of sort of like big musicals and stuff. But they, there's an amazing appreciation for like sort of high end, very intellectual theatre writing. You know, they, they would do, and my dad would perform in these plays, you know, they would do Arthur Miller and Samuel Beckett and Brian Freel and Oscar Wilde, and, you know, like really good stuff. Like it wasn't necessarily always amazing. But, you know, I was I was exposed to really, <laughs> really brilliant writing from a very, very young age. And it wasn't just the musical, the big brash musical stuff. Uh, it was a real variety of, of stuff. And so it, then it sort of just it sort of just merged very, very gradually. And for, for a long time, I didn't really know what I wanted to focus on because I was working very hard in my voice my singing voice, but then also was really loved going to see these plays and watching my dad perform. And so I, I, it took me a while to sort of figure out exactly what my, what my path was to be, but I was certainly interested in, in it all and also all aspects of performance. You're a Northern boy, right? Yes. I'm from County Tyrone. Yeah. Okay. Is that where, have you seen the show Dairy Girls? Of course I have. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Is that kind of where that takes place? It's close. It's close to Derry. Yeah. Do we border Derry at all? Maybe. Throwing sort of more in the middle of Ulster and Derry is a wee bit further north. Yeah, yeah. But like, okay. you know, close Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love that show. I'm suddenly realizing there's randomly a lot of, a lot of um, TV and film that takes place in Northern Ireland. Mm-hmm. And it's like Derry Girls. Does, is Normal People in Dublin? No, that was set in Sligo, the, okay. the West Coast. Mm-hmm. But there is a lot, you know. A, Belfast that just came out? Yeah. Which, have you seen it yet? I did see it, Yeah. Oh, I loved it. I went to the London premiere. It was really good. I adored it. Yeah. Yeah. Jamie Dornan was really hot in it. Well, yeah, he's, he's hot in most things. You know? (laughs) Do you like how that was my takeaway? I'm like, Jamie Dornan. (laughs) (laughs) You have to watch the, you have to watch the tourist. Just came out on, on uh, BBC here, but you'll be able to find it out, find it somewhere. A really class, sort of Breaking Bad-esque thriller set in Australia that he stars in. It's really, really good. I binged it in about two days. It's class. Oh, oh, that's my, sounds like my kind of jam. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's very good. No, there's a lot filmed there. And there is this, the tax break situation. So it's very, it makes sense for film studios to want to shoot there because it's, it's just much cheaper, but you know, there's a lot to, it's a very, it's a very old land, you know, and um, sort of constantly evolving and stuff. I think it's interesting to, we've got such a legacy of literary culture. So it makes sense that it was just sort of continue, you know. I just thought of this, but what's the gay scene like in Ireland? (laughs) I have no idea. (laughs) I have no idea. I left Ireland when I was 18. Okay. Okay. Not solely, but it was high, it was high up there. It was, you know, to sort of, I, I felt as though I couldn't, like, you know, express, be my, my truly authentic self there. I wouldn't have had the courage mm-hmm. to come out then. And then by all accounts, things have changed considerably, which is amazing. But at that stage, you know, I, there was just no way that I was going to stay in, in Ireland because I just, I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have had the courage to come out. I did, didn't feel at that type of place. There was, I'm sure there was a guest, you know, I think there's a, there's a gay club in Belfast called the Kremlin. I'm sure is still operating, but yeah, I don't, re- I don't really know is the answer to your question. <laughs> That's okay. 
We're planning a uh, a big trip to Ireland when our dad retires next year, this year, but we're going to go next year. So we won't ask you for tips on on that. For, no. for if you go to Dublin, <laughs> I think it's, it's quite lively in Dublin. Okay, yeah. For sure. We'll definitely be making yeah. a stop in Dublin for a couple of days. Yeah. Do you make it back there? Sadly, I didn't get this Christmas, which was the plan. I was planning to go on uh, the 22nd of December, but I got COVID. So um, okay. that's uh, scuppered those plans. <laughs> Wait, I got COVID on the 22nd as well. No, well, yeah, we got it on like, the, I think I picked it up. Yeah, I probably picked it up around the 22nd. Doc picked it up about the, the 19th. So it meant that we were at least not sick for our Christmas dinner, but it still was a slight pain in the ass. But uh, so I, I'm, I'm due a trip back home. I try to get back as, as much as possible, but of course this year and being in Atlanta doing the Hawkeye and stuff, I haven't actually really been all that much. But I do try to get as much as I can. Wait, I cut you off when you were going to say something about when we go to Dublin. You were going to make a recommendation. Oh, I ch- I just wanted to recommend a couple of places in Ireland. I don't know how long you've got there. Probably about a week. And this is obviously like you're going back to the homeland, presumably. Yeah, uh, County Mayo. Yeah. You're Mayo. Mm-hmm. So like Westport. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not from Westport. No, no. Uh, Great grandparents. But like, do you know whereabouts in Mayo? Because Westport is the most amazing town in County Mayo. No, I'm not sure on specifics. No, I'll have to, I'll let you know. Oh, it's like, I'll find out. It's the most gorgeous, gorgeous town. Like if I was ever to move to Ireland, I'd probably move to Westport. Oh, wow. You would probably go, Mayo is not a particularly big county. Oh, Mayo, Westport's amazing. And you've got Patrick, so you can climb the mountains. And it's it's such a vibrant vibe. There's lots of music going on. And it's class. It's class. Um, we were actually there at a, at a literary festival in October to go to Westport. It was the first time we took our dog over to Ireland. Oh, fine. But uh, yeah, oh, you'll love it if you're if you're going to that part of the country. Then you're you know there's there's so much around. Okay, very exciting. I'll let you know for yes. some suggestions. Yeah. Okay, wait. So we've mentioned it a couple of times, but we have got to get into Hawkeye now. We are huge Marvel fans. I think we've seen literally every single film except The Incredible Hulk, but we can talk about that another time. But anyway, are you a big Marvel fan? And was it like a true gag for you to get to be involved in the MCU? Yes, I was a huge fan. I'm actually about to see Spider-Man this evening. Of course, I know everything that happens because... Twitter. I left it too long. I left it too long to go to the cinema. Uh, but I also had a, I, I was fairly sure I knew what was, what was going to be happening. And I, were there whispers on set in Atlanta? Well, they were shooting at the same time okay. in the same city. And I am sh- I'm sure the directors and stuff were aware of what was going on because it's set at the same time. But there wasn't too much of an overlap in terms of storyline. But also one of the Spider-Man <laughs> actors <laughs> is, a, is a, we have a mutual friend and, and we sort of were hanging out and I was like, hmm, I wonder what he's doing in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and it also just became quite obvious. So I, um, I got this, you know, the tape through for Hawkeye and like for, like so many of these things when they come through and you sort of look at what it is, you just think, I'm, I'm never in a million years going to get this. It just seems so, so, improbable to the point where i think i thought maybe i'll just not bother doing this tape because it's just a waste of time Mm. but i i did i did it anyway it was such a bizarre it was such an unexpected thing i heard that they were interested in considering me maybe about a month after i did this tape and then i i was told i had like a zoom audition to follow it up before the zoom audition came my agent called and just told me that i'd been offered it 
Oh my god! <laughs> so like usually at that stage, I think like they have they're considering two or three people for a test or whatever. But they just they weren't actually considering anyone else in this in this instance. I was like, are you sure? Are you sure they've got the right person? And then and then you know I get my visa through and everything. I'm flying over to the land genuinely with sort of full on anxiety going. They've made a terrible, terrible mistake. <laughs> like, just, I just, I envisaged like the first time that I would meet the, these directors and producers in person. They would go, "That's not the guy we were thinking of," you know. <laughs> and I would just be sent in a plane straight back to London. But yeah, I, I was a huge fan, and I am a huge fan. So it was all, it was all quite bizarre to begin with. And it sounds very cliched because I've, I've watched lots of interviews with actors that have worked at with Marvel Studios and they all say pretty much the same thing which is it really feels like a family and we're all just there together and you know you could just be doing like a little indie movie like that's what it feels like it feels so cozy but it really does um once you get over the initial slightly overwhelming feeling of ah you know I'm in this huge huge world I you just sort of relax into it and I think it's because everybody from the crew camera operators costume all of the fields, all of the departments are huge fans of of the Marvel stories. Yeah. And so everyone's coming at it from this they're just they're just so excited to be there. And so it, it seems it seems absurd to actually to to freak out or to take it too seriously because it's just far too too far too much fun is to be had. Mm-hmm. You know? Um and I, I had the most amazing time. I absolutely loved it. Well the result was incredible and your character was fascinating. It was it was a, a departure for you. It was it was cool to see you be bad. Mm. Mysterious. Yeah. Mysterious, yeah. Well, I the funny thing is, whenever I did my my um audition tape, there was no information on, on this character and who he was. And you know, he just got this dummy side and it, it it really it didn't scream bad guy or anything, you know. It, it, this, I would even go so far as to say that, you know, the stakes weren't particularly high in this, <laughs> in this scene. Like, you know, I was like, do you not want to see my range? What I can do? Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was a relatively straightforward scene. And then I only realized, you know, after, after chatting with the director and, and stuff, who he was, or certainly, you know, I was even then to see like who he was based on, which is a very, very dark, sinister, sort of sociopath and we we didn't go down that route in order to sort of make the relationship with Maya work they sort of it made sense for Kazi to be in the, the tracksuit mafia mm-hmm. but just sort of higher up in the in the in the organization and yeah he I I was really intrigued by him and I really ended up falling in love with him I sort of loved the the conflict that he had you know been torn between this um care for Maya but also this He's completely with the organization, like right. to to the end. You know, that's it's all he's ever known. Like it's the foundation of his life, and I sort of really love that. And it meant that what's really lovely, which is something that's a bit more associated with preparing for something on the stage, I think, is having so many gaps that you can fill in. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's a lot to there's a lot to explore and and create really, which made a lot but managed to do. I'm glad we played Maya because we had a lot of time to prepare our stuff. We didn't really shoot most of our stuff until the latter part of the shoot. Hmm. So we were able to fill in like, you know, who these kids were, what their relationship is and, and all that. So that was really fun. And you, of course, had to learn ASL. I know. 
which I was shitting myself about, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> but I just had this fear, you know, when they said that sign language is a, the real part of the job. And I was, I, I, so I would ask for these scripts through as quickly as possible. And can I get the ASL tutor, consultant, whatever, on a Zoom meeting, like right now, so I can start practicing this. But they didn't have the scripts, like the scripts were changing on a daily basis. Mm. So the, nothing was set in stone. And I just had this fear that I would get there and they'd be like, right, here we go. Let's just do it tomorrow. But thankfully, I, I started learning just the basics quite quickly. And even versions of scenes that never quite made it or would be completely changed. I was still practicing the coordination and the vocabulary, which then just meant that if they were able, if they've just created something with it with only two hours notice, I could quite easily then get it into my body. But it was it was an amazing thing. I absolutely loved learning it. It's a very very beautiful expressive language. Yeah, which I hope I hope to keep up. I know I took um I had to do foreign language classes in college, and I chose American Sign Language. And I agree with you. It was just so it was kind of fun, like to learn it and communicate mm-hmm. with it and. I wish I had kept up with it because I lost it a little bit. When I was watching the show, I was like, oh, could yeah. I tell what they're saying if I didn't have, you know, the subtitles up mm. or whatever? But okay, we're kind of getting into spoiler territory here. So if you haven't watched Hawkeye yet, you should skip ahead in the episode. But I was, <laughs> I was hoping that you would make it out alive because we know that the Maya character is getting her own series, right? Right. Yeah. So I was just, I was hoping you'd be a part of it. I mean, and maybe you still will, but... <laughs> that last episode was drama. I loved it. I um, loved, loved, loved. There's a lot to um, unpack, and there's a, there's a lot of loose ends to tie up in that last episode. Because initially, initially the big boss man, I'll, that's what, what I'll call him to, in case again the spoiler situation. Yes. Yeah. His his involvement previously, you know, before we did reshoots, was was much much smaller, and it, it essentially was a tease for then his future MCU projects. And then when they looked back at what they got, they're like, actually, got I think it. he needs to be a much more visible force in, in the final episode, which mm. was very, very exciting. And I loved working with Vincent. You know, it's a big fan. Uh, it just meant there was a lot. There was a lot going on, you know, and then you've got Florence Pugh's character and all, all these sort of loose ends to tie up. I'm, I'm straight for her. <laughs> <laughs> I, again, I'll, I'll let her know. <laughs> um, oh, she's, 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 uh, she's great. I'm, I'm a huge, huge fan of, of Florence. She's amazing. Yeah, she's so good. Did you see her in Little Women? I did, but I also saw her in Midsummer. Yes. Oh, so good. fuck me. I've, it's such a, <laughs> and, like, insane, weird, brilliant film. I love mm-hmm. it. And I've, I've never seen someone just portray, like, grief, like, real, real heartache so, so well. She's quite, she's quite incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. She's great. Wow. Okay. Wait, I've got a question for you because obviously Tom Holland is a West End guy as well. Did you guys ever cross paths long before joining the MCU? No, no, we didn't. I'm a huge fan of him. I think he's wonderful. I think he's really, really great. But no, we, we haven't. Again, I, I know a few sort of West End mates of mine that are pals with him because he would have gone to like youth theatre in London and stuff. And okay, but no, we haven't. We haven't crossed paths just yet. But I'm very excited to see his movie tonight. <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely gonna love it. So you were also in the film of Les Mis, and yes. I need to ask about that experience because oh my god, 
iconic. It feels like an intimate film, even though it's such a grand musical, you know? Yeah. I actually often describe it as that when I was talking about it quite regularly. Because we were doing the stage show at the same time. When I say we, like a few of the other lads that were in the in the barricade, or they'd certainly been in the show at that time. But I was certainly in it at the time of shooting the film. So, you know, there would be times when we'd be driven back from Pinewood Studios and straight to the theatre to do a show, which was a nightmare. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I know. Your, your voice would be raw because you're screaming so much, you know, during these big set pieces and then have to sing prettily. Right, because Tom Hooper wanted you all to sing live on set. Of, of course, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which was, you know, the first time anything had been done like that. And mm-hmm. it really works for something like that, which is just so about the emotion. Like, it's, it's important for the emotion to be connected to the voice and everything. But it did, it did feel really intimate. You know, like, it didn't feel like a massive departure from what I was already doing on a nightly basis, oddly. And I think it's because... You know, we didn't really see many cameramen. You know, they were all suited and booted in their Parisian rags and things like that. You would have had to look quite carefully to actually spot where these camera operators were. So we were just, oh. it felt very, very immersive, very immersive. You know, you were just in this little cul-de-sac in a, in a Paris street, which is, it, it meant that you didn't have a lot of work to do imaginatively. You were just able mm-hmm. to to just you know make believe pretend that you're there and and the rest came naturally it was a really class experience and i'm still extremely close with some of the lads that i did did the film with you know it was it was super super cool did you have much of a an onset experience with hugh jackman he only really uh, was with us all when he did like bring him home yeah um and there's a little bit of a battle either before or after the song but what what I found incredible was, you know, he did about 16 takes of Bring Him Home and just, just like bang them out. Hey, I feel like I'm going to pause for a drink of water. Like it was just right done. Like, you know, I was sort of blown away because we, of course, we were all pretending to just be asleep and stuff. And he was just mm-hmm. knocking these Bring Him Homes out. It was amazing. He, like he's a real diligent professional hard worker but a very 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 lovely man he was so supportive and just sweet he was, he was wonderful are you gonna see the music man i was I just gonna to say you gotta come to the states to see him in it i heard that um it's supposed to be like the show of the season well yeah i've waited so long to put it on now um yeah so i was in new york actually not too long ago and ashamedly didn't actually see anything but i would quite like to to see the music man if it's if it's still on next time i'm there oh yeah do you have any plans to come come over to new york anytime nothing is in the diary just yet but okay. uh that that's that's that changes regularly enough and whereabouts are you dylan you said you're not in new york I'm not in new york right now i'm actually in columbus ohio right now okay it's a little bit west of new york i don't right. know how well you know the map of, of the united states but it's not very <laughs> yeah it's about a six <laughs> hour terrible. drive away from new york but Okay. I just, I moved here during the pandemic with my boyfriend. It was like, we had been doing long distance for about five years and we were like, let's, let's move in together. And he's mm. an actor, but he wasn't quite ready to go to New York and my work mm. had all gone remote. And I left that job at Feinstein's 54 below. Sure. And so I was able to just uh, be remote. And so now we live in Columbus, which is an amazing, amazing city. Well, I mean, it's, a, you know, similar situation to us, you know, I think yeah. it's just getting out of the city 
it didn't feel like London was the place to be. And I mean, when, when we did go back to New York there in September, it was great to see there's a real sense of jubilation in the air. You know, like Definitely. people were so excited to have their city back. And it was so wonderful because, you know, you couldn't do anything without your your vaccine vaccination certificates and all that. But it was really class to see it sort of back to normal. Because, of course, I was there for two weeks shooting some um, exterior stuff oh, for Hawkeye God. in December. And I, that was really eerie. You know, I'd go, I'd go for a walk just around a few blocks from the hotel and it's just like, that's not, that's not normal for New York, just for December, it to be utterly, yeah. utterly silent. Tw- December 2020. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that was eerie. Yeah, I can really imagine. Eerie. Yeah, yeah. Connor, wasn't, Connor wasn't even back yet because we no. left the city during the pandemic. Yeah. Mm. Crazy stuff. Wait, okay, so before we move on to our closing segment, Fra, I'm just curious, when you think about all the various stage credits that you've gotten to be a part of, is there one that sticks out to you as, like, your all-time favorite? Um, uh, I, I may have said The Ferryman, but because we've spoken about it so much, there's another Irish play that I did shortly after it called Translations, which is by Brian Freil. And um, I feel as though I have some sort of a sense of unfinished business with it because they did it at the National Theatre. It was a National Theatre production and they'd done it the season prior and then they brought it back the following year and I was in it that time. Uh, so it was a shorter run. You know, I think we, we only ran for about four weeks and it's the type of really rich play that I could have done for months and months. You know, it was, it was sort of just taken away too early. I don't know if you guys are, you know, familiar with Brian Freel's stuff, Mm-mm. but it's just the most, it's the most amazing playwright. It was amazing playwright. The Jez Butterworth, like, almost certainly would have been borrowing stuff from him. And, oh, cool. You know, he's it's a, it's a real, and like Jez would happily accept that, you know, like he's, Brian Freel would be, would be one of our, you know, most um, prolific and respected and, of the contemporary Irish writers, you know, class. Was he the one who wrote, you mentioned a play earlier that was like one of your favorite plays. Was he the same Dance, writer of that? Yeah, Dancing okay. at Lunasa. And they wrote Philadelphia, okay. Here I Come, which is a wonderful play. And this one, Translations, which is a wonderful, wonderful play about the colonization of Ireland, really, in the 18th century. Yeah, I, it was class. And if you've ever been to the National Theatre in London, you know, we were on the Olivier stage, which is the biggest space there. And so, which, and it's a very small play. Um, it's only set in a room, but we sort of expanded it out into this expansive, you know, amphitheatre space. And yeah, that was, that was class. And it was the last time I was on stage, bizarrely. So maybe, maybe it's, 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 um, maybe it feels pertinent because it's the last time I did anything on stage and it's and it just uh, if i could go back there in an instant i would but yeah that that, that that's what i'm thinking at the moment Love unfinished it. business oh my gosh yeah. i have a feeling we haven't seen the last of translation yes. so we'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll yes. see. <laughs> okay so we are sadly at the end of our chat here but before we say goodbye we like to end on a dose of drama that piece of pop culture or maybe something that happened in our real life that's on our hearts or in our minds and i'm gonna kick it off today and i, I suppose it's on theme but i just finished reading the new sally rooney book beautiful world where are you takes place in Ireland. And Mm. it was so good. I absolutely love the way she writes about young people. And in this new book, 
there's a character in it that almost feels like a Sally surrogate. It's a, a young fiction writer who's very famous and sort of deals with loneliness and depression and, um, is dealing with a love storyline as well. But I love all three of her books. Can't wait for conversations with friends to become a TV series with Taylor Swift's boyfriend, Joe Alwyn. And I, <laughs> I just love her and I cannot recommend Beautiful World, Where Are You by Sally Rooney enough. And that is my drama of the day. Dylan, you haven't started reading it yet, right? No, not yet. Fra, are you familiar with, with Sally Rooney's work? Yes. Well, I, I uh, wanted to read normal paper before watching it on the screen, mm-hmm. which I did. Because I, I tend to prefer that order. You know, mm-hmm. if I've seen a series first, it, it doesn't, I don't feel particularly inclined to then read the book that it's based on. Great. Uh, and I, and I loved it, but weirdly, and I don't usually say this because I'm a massive lover of books. I actually thought it worked better as a TV series, normal mm-hmm. people. Yes. I just thought the, the structure of it just made perfect sense for it. But it was still a beautiful book. And I will definitely read her her third one and second. I haven't read Conversation with Friends yet. But a uh, good recommendation, Connor. Yeah. Do you have a dose of drama, Fra? Um, yes. I'm I'm gonna stick with the book thing because, you know, I could I could I could talk about queer eye, but everyone's watching it anyway. But I'm, I'm literally, I'm literally catching up and like, I think we watched the third episode of the new series last night. It's just like, it's so amazing. I love it. Tears. Like Co- constant tears. Yeah. I've been watching oh, it like every the- night this week, Fra. It's so good. Oh, it is so good. And like every time, cause is this the sixth series? Like every time I think, it's, mm-hmm. how could it get more incredible and life affirming? And it just does. It's unreal. It really does. I'm going to recommend a book by Olivia Lang. Lang is spelled L-A-I-N-G. And she is a British writer, non-fiction primarily. Uh, And there's quite a few books, but the one that I just finished, she has a new one I call Everybody, which hilariously, myself and my boyfriend both got each other for Christmas. (laughs) But uh, I I just recently finished Trip to Echo Springs, which she she focuses a lot on, on other artists and other this is this is about other writers and their relationship with alcohol, interestingly enough. And so mm-hmm. they've got like Tennessee Williams and F. Scott Fitzgerald and stuff and how it informed their writing, how it's how, how they were you know, addicts to it and how it was destructive, but also informative and everything. And it's just really, really interesting. But the, the trip to Echo Springs was referring to is is a specific train journey. I think from New York to New Orleans and she's, she visits the homesteads and, and the frequent spots that these writers would actually hang out and drink at and, you know, and, and converse. Oh, so cool. It's really class. I mean, if you love your literature and just the backstory about all these famous plays and novels that you love, it's class. And she writes so, so, so beautifully. She's brilliant. So there you go. That is my job. I always t- take the book recommendations that our guests get. Mm. Dylan, like, you really do. You yeah. Really someone do. recommended Shuggy Bane. Have you read? Oh my Bain? God. It's my favorite book of the year. Holy I, moly. I can't talk about it without getting chills or getting emotional. No, it is seriously. So seriously. Like it's unreal. It's, it's up there with like, have you read a little life? Yes. Connor has. You know, it's oh like, my God. You know, there's just this huge sort of epically devastating, but so, so life affirming reads. And that was his debut novel. This, this I know. Unbelievable. He's written the second, which is out, I think, in April. But oh my oh, cool. God. 
Oh, it's, it's, I think it's going to be a series as well. It would make perfect sense for that. It would make perfect mm-hmm. sense. But I, ju- yeah, oh, I just said, I adored it. Oh, I know. And so it's a bit long for those. It's a little bit of a. It's a bigger oh, read. But just but enjoy it. It's worth just, it. Like, just immerse yourself in it for a month or however long it takes. Like it's yeah. so class. Uh huh. You're you're so well read. We'll have to I'll have to get more suggestions from you. But I'm definitely going to look up. Olivia Lang. Yes, said? yeah, and she's she's got, okay. she's got her one before that was Lonely City, which is also excellent. You know, she when she was living okay. in New York by herself, and then decided to just explore and discover lots of artists that were living a similarly solitary life in New York. You know, so it's mm. that that's her. That's literally that's, me right now. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's that's a big for you, Connor. Yeah. Yeah. Dylan, oh, I Dylan. Love it. Okay, my dose of drama because I would kick myself if I didn't say something about this for Aaron Tveit is like my number one all time. And you worked with him in Les Mis. Yeah. Yeah. What was he like? Well, he's great. Aaron's Aaron's class. We're still we're still good friends. We message each other regularly. Um yeah, he's a really, really, really lovely dude. Yeah. <laughs> Dylan really is dying over there. And I, I, I thank I, you for saying that. I was recently messaging him because I just I don't know how long it's been on the air, but I just sort of binged Schmigadoon with, oh, with yeah. much uh, joy. Like, I, I thought it was really, really class. The songs are genuinely it class. Is. And I loved it. Very, very clever. Um, yeah, but he, he's great. Oh, yeah. He's, mm. he's charming. Cry, you, you keep saying everything is class. Is this, is this like a, a, an Irishism, a Britishism? It's definitely Irish, I believe. Okay. Yeah. We, we say things are class and we say things are deadly. And deadly, you would think is a bad thing, but no, it's like, oh, that's deadly. That's really class. Oh, <laughs> that's really fun. cool. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Wait, also, I have to say before we go, your American accent was great. Oh, good. Thank fuck you said that. Wouldn't it be amazing? <laughs> Your American accent was so shite. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was. And you had like a very soothing tone to your voice. I know. Hey, good. I'm not, yes. Was I going for a soothing tone? I, I've, it was that sort of like you sort of mentioned mystery. I sort of wanted to keep things sort of as, as calm mm-hmm. and sort of brimming on the surface. But, uh, Thank you. I'm, it's always good. It's a little bit nerve wracking whenever you're doing an American accent in front of American people. And of course, everyone around me was American. Mm-hmm. But, um, did you hit it off with Jeremy on set? I didn't see him all that much, but we only, really shared like a few moments together. And he was always very, very busy and often like quite tired because it was just like the, the fighting stuff and all. But no, he was really, really sound and really, really good guy. We had a, we had a laugh that day when we were doing our scene in that truck. You know, that was, uh-huh. that was fun. Yeah. But I'm a, I'm a big fan. I thought his portrayal of the role in the Avenger movies were, was wonderful. You know, mm-hmm. just the r- real human touch. You know, he's, that's how he differs from, I guess, the other superheroes. Yeah. You know, he's genuinely mortal and, and just normal, whatever. Yeah. He, he was, he, he was great. Oh, I love to hear it. Well, you are so amazing, Fra, and this has been so much fun. It was absolutely worth the wait, and we are so thankful that you came on our our, our fun little podcast. Yes, today. I had a blast. Okay, thank you so much for having me. Happy New Year! Yes, it's been it's been a pleasure. If we're ever on your side of the pond, we'd love to get together for a drink. Well, here, if you're ever in London, obviously I'm not too far away, but also when you go to Ireland, let me know because I may just be there okay. and. Uh, 
I can I can uh, show you the spots to get the best pints of Guinness. Uh, okay, <laughs> I'll take you up on it. Of course, everyone <laughs> can find you on Twitter and Instagram. You're at Fra Fee on Twitter and at Fra underscore Fee on Instagram, right? Yes, that is correct. All right, love it. Everyone should, of course, check it out. Right. Maybe there's some pictures of your beautiful dog. Oh, there's plenty of, of ace that's for sure i love it all right and of course if anyone's not following us at the drama podcast what are you waiting for and follow connor at connor mcdowell me at dylan mcdowell and connor i will see you next time drama, drama. Woo!